0: I use talks as a forcing function for research. If you've read any of our content or you've met me or seen me speak, I've been told there's a professorial vibe. I don't know if I really like that, that moniker or not. I use conferences as like, okay, I need to get this research done for the market. It's something that always is, is just kind of going to the wayside. And so that research allows me to better understand not only what we're doing in the market, but then kind of battle test that research on the audience.
1: Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, a podcast that brings you insights and tactics from the greatest SaaS minds across the world. The show is brought to you by SaaStock, the conference to turn your SaaS up to 11, returning to Dublin in October 15th to the 17th, 2018. On this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, I bring you my conversation with Patrick Campbell, CEO and founder of Price Intelligently, which recently rebranded to ProfitWell by Price Intelligently. Patrick's venture into pricing trying to figure out this subscription economy began six years ago when he founded Price Intelligently, which initially was a price elasticity product. He gave himself nine months to see if he could build a company out of his ideas. Patrick worked 18 hour days, setting everything up and writing a boatload of content. That content didn't just help him with publicity, which he got after a tech journalist from Boston Globe picked up his story, but also aided his own understanding of what he was trying to do. As time went by, More and more customers needed help with extracting the data that price intelligently could give them about price elasticity. And the professional services part of the company began growing. A few years into it, ProfitWell, the arm of the company that provides financial metrics like MRR and churn, was born. Currently operating as a freemium tool and the namesake of the new rebranded company helps Patrick and the team bring all this together and reach their end goal of figuring the math and economics of the subscription business model and helping customers around the world. Listen on to learn why professional services and product need to go hand in hand.
0: When you're dealing with kind of the mid-market or the enterprise or, or the you know low end of the enterprise and even the high end of enterprise, service or the feeling of service is it should be part of the product. Because the issue is, is that if I come to you and I say, hey, here's this tool that's gonna give you this solution. Um, and let's say that that solution's gonna require you to do some work. Your willingness to pay for personless or you know just like technological software, is a little bit different, It's in some cases a lot different than, oh, there's a team that's helping me, there's a face to this technology, there's a face to this product.
1: What has been the evolution of ProfitWell?
0: We were helping a Price Intelligently customer before their IPO, um, basically with their pricing, all of a sudden we found out that they were calculating their MRR completely incorrect. CFO had taken two other companies public. This was his third company taking public and calculating MRR completely wrong, um, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. And so basically we were like, all right, so what's, what's our, what's our wedge into this part of the market? Well, You know, we can go and start looking at top of the funnel data, we can look at engagement data, we can look at a bunch of different places, but all of those roads are going to lead to money in some way. You know, we need to go to the financial metrics and there's this need, this ancillary need for people. I need to know my MRR, my churn, all of those kinds of fun numbers. Why ProfitWell relies on a freemium model? We essentially were looking at this and we were like, all right, we're going to charge for this. Um, And we started doing some price testing. And it just, it came back very terrible. You know, analytics and BI are extremely tough product markets to be in, mainly because everyone starts to go enterprise. People just don't value the product as as much as they really should um, and the amount of time and effort that you put into it. And so we were at the point where we were going to shut it down. And when it came to Freemium, we started looking again back at that vision. And we started thinking about what are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to understand truth when it comes to subscription businesses. And in order to do that, it's going to require helping people um, in a very, very deep capacity. The best way to do that from a community perspective is to offer up something for free.
1: Patrick is joining us for SASDOG 18 running a pricing workshop and bringing a couple of new talks, including a very personal one about battling with cancer throughout the whirlwind journey of growing profitable. Our lucky winner of the uh, SASDOC 18 raffle, who will see Patrick Campbell live, meet with him in person, the 130 other speakers uh, at the speakers' dinner, is Jacob Bodenberger, founder of Ripple Science. Congratulations, Jacob. We look forward to meeting you in person. Thanks to everyone else who took part. If you weren't as lucky to win, you can book your tickets to Sastock 18, which is just two and a half weeks away, depending on when you're listening to it. So it's the 15th to the 17th of October in Dublin, Ireland. Book your ticket before October the 1st to save 200 euros on our final price increase on tickets. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, Patrick Campbell, uh, CEO of Profit uh, ProfitWell. Nearly fucked that up. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, ProfitWell, formerly uh, Price intelligently. Uh, welcome to the show, Patrick.
0: Awesome to be here, man. Always, always good to ta- talk to the uh, SaaS stock crew.
1: Uh, likewise, um, uh, you know, always great to speak to you. And uh, we'll be speaking in person in uh, in twenty seven days' time uh at sas Doc in dublin um so uh super pumped for that but um you know before we get into that uh i thought it's like you know this would be a great time for us to get you on the podcast um yeah for a couple of reasons so i i think uh uh one it's maybe you're the only returning guest on the podcast i'm not sure if that's a fact but it, it, it kind of feels like that uh um, so, but it, it's been a while since we, we've had you on. So, like, I think it's good to have an update and actually talk about something different uh, this time. Um, and yeah, just kind of really, I think uh, I've been interested to see you, you know, uh, price intelligently, you know, move towards and the rebrand to Profitwell. Um, and I think it'd be nice to kind of speak about that because I know that often you get talk, uh, asked to talk about pricing. And last time you were on the podcast, you spoke about pricing. And you know, you're the pricing guy in, in, in SaaS, right? So it makes sense. But uh, it'd be nice to actually get a bit more of the, the, the story around profit world. So uh, uh, sound good? You up for that?
0: Yeah, let's rock it.
1: Let's do it. I mean, look, uh, I know who you are. Uh, I, I, reckon, I reckon like 90% of our audience probably knows who you are. Uh, you can't you can't miss Patrick Campbell if uh, you're online, if you're on SAS, <laughs> uh, if, if you're going to an event, like you can't you can't miss Patrick for
0: better for better and for worse. I'm sure,
1: yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, look, for, for for those that maybe you don't know who Patrick Campbell is, like just give us a little bit of an intro to yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my my personal background is in econometrics and math. Um, I'm from you know Jackson, Wisconsin, which is in the middle of the states, uh, a town with more cows than people. Uh, And uh, yeah, I founded a company called Price Intelligently about six years ago after working for Google and then the intelligence community in DC. Uh, And then uh, about a couple years into that, we uh, started a product called ProfitWell uh, and then basically just kind of kept the ball rolling on on a grand master plan that's turned out to be uh, right and wrong in different places. And uh, basically now uh, we rebranded to ProfitWell, still doing Price Intelligently and uh, have multiple different products, one of which is a free subscription financial metrics product. So plug it into your billing system, you know, Stripe, Braintree, Recurly, Zora, Chargebee, whatever you're using, um, and get access to your MRR, your churn, all those kinds of numbers. And now engagement, uh, data as well, uh, usage data we just launched today. Uh, and then we make money by selling different products that help you with your churn, your pricing and, and different things like that. So, um, a little bit of a whirlwind uh, rambly introduction but hopefully that's uh, that's added a few facts that someone on here who knows me doesn't know
1: okay no th- thanks for that Patrick and uh, um, so l- l- let's go back six years then you, you, you started uh, price intelligently um, I guess uh, you know why uh, why did you start that and um, you know two years later then you mentioned that you, you started profit well uh, and, and I, I guess like, why did you start profit well uh, you know at that point? um like give us a little bit of uh, of the background around that
0: yeah totally so so on starting price intelligently i mean honestly it's there, there wasn't some stroke of genius, like moment, if that makes sense. Um, like a lot of founders will have this moment where they're like, oh my God, this is, this is what it is. I, I found more often than not, that's kind of a, uh, like a post-hoc rationalization rather than kind of reality. Um, for me, it was, you know, to be, to be really upfront, it was, it was kind of young, uh, young hubris, if you will. I wanted to, um, you know, kind of start my own thing. And, and in my past, you know, working for the US government and then working at Google, uh, I'd always had this a uh, little bit of a, I don't, I wouldn't call it a complex. But a little bit of a um, always caring more than than my boss. Um, I come from a very blue collar background, uh, you know. And and, you know, it's one of those things where you know my parents they just would work, 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 work. And um, it was one of those things they'd come home and you know they had some you know some hobbies and things like that, and you know some hardcore hobbies in, in certain cases, but. That, that kind of drove me. And so even when I was at, you know, paradise as they say, which is Google, you know, working, working in tech and, you know, getting paid more than you probably should and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, I still really, really cared more than my boss. And so uh, I left, uh, you know, after you know doing a pretty cool project that made, you know, Google a bunch of money, but they were gonna, you know, shut it down cause there was another project that, you know, made more money um, and ended up um, at a company called Jamvara here in Boston. And it was there that basically I had, um, you know, my first kind of uh, foray into pricing where I was this, you know, special projects um, manager where I would basically do, you know, everything from helping, you know, the sales team was an e-commerce model, uh, basically figure out their, uh, you know, uh, Christmas plans, Black Friday plans, all the way to working on pricing. And so that's where the first time I basically started adjusting pricing in a business and started realizing oh, these little movements here and there, they, uh, they, they cause really big, uh, swings in revenue. And so there's something here. and then didn't really love the culture and, you know, was, was basically before, you know, kids, wife, all that kind of fun stuff. And so I thought, Hey, if there's a time to do it, might as well do it now. And so jumped out and cashed out my 401k from Google, which was not that large. <laughs> and so had about, you know, nine months of very, very, uh, living on the edge, uh, you know, expense-wise and, you know, basically figured if I couldn't, you know, make some money within nine months, then, you know, I, I could always go back and at the very least work as a barista somewhere or go back to Google or, or do something like that. Um, so that's kind of how, how Price Intelligently started. I, I don't know if that was too deep of a background, but there's no, no, no,
1: no. Uh, fun things
0: in there that are interesting.
1: Yeah, it's great. And actually, like for me, for first, I mean, we've known each other for a while, but actually, I, I've not known, you know, some of the finer details uh, on that. So that, that's kind of good to hear. And and um, you, you know, with with Price Intelligently, I, I guess, like, how how did you source your first few deals? How did you get that initial revenue? Because um, I guess across Price Intelligently and now, you know, with with ProfitWell, I mean, you're still completely bootstrapped, right? So uh, I guess you, you you've been funded by revenue the whole way, right?
0: Yeah. We're the only, the only independent company in our space. Um, you know, we, we basically are only funded by our customer revenue. Like I, I didn't, you know, none of us were independently wealthy and, mm. uh, you know, I, I took the savings down to pretty much zero, um, you know, to, to start the company. And, and I, I think that was, you know, I don't know if I would do that again, uh, but it was, you know, I'm a little later in life now, but I think that, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty pretty. Interesting experience early on because I, I didn't really know what I was doing, um, you know, which, which was good and bad. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, I, I was really thankful that I'd worked at a startup um that I didn't leave if i if i would have left uh, right after google i think i would have failed miserably because my network started to save me a bit and i used to when i was younger i used to think networking was stupid essentially i thought it was you know oh everything should be based on merit etc but it, that, that's not a mutually exclusive concept to to networking and so started to um you know i thankfully the, the year prior to starting the company i'd met a lot of people in the startup ecosystem which i hadn't really met when i was at google and so as soon as you know basically launching um, Price intelligently um, started, you know, just talking to people, not not asking for sales or anything like that, but just like a ton of advice. And I think what, what really got us our, our early sales um, was strictly around, um, you know, basically doing content. So I would write this content one as a as a means of figuring out essentially what we were and what the problem was and what we should attack. Uh, and thankfully, the the space that we were in, the content is you know, really, really needed or really, really looked at um, within the industry, uh, mainly because, you know, there's not, there wasn't a lot of people writing about pricing uh, or there were just a few things around pricing, you know, here and there. Um, And so long story short is one of those things were through content and then um, our content, you know, all of a sudden there was a local um, kind of tech reporter for the Boston Globe that, uh, you know, wanted to chat and he wrote, you know, an article on us just on the launch. And basically we were able to kind of, you know, leverage that into our first couple of customers. And when I say we, it was, it was literally just me uh, working, you know, 18 hours a day, you know, in, in, in a room, basically getting things set up. But yeah, that's how we got our first customers. And, and really we, I mean, I'm sure you're going to ask about this, but like we, I mean, I had no idea like um, you know, what we were going to offer, what we were going to do, because a lot of people don't know this, but price intelligently was a a pure software product in the beginning. So, um, we had built, you know, a, a software product, a very simple software product. Um, it basically took these algorithms, um, put them in a survey tool, uh, and then, you know, you could use that survey tool to go collect responses to feed into the algorithm and get this output for your price elasticity or, you know, kind of how you should price. And, um, we were trying to sell that kind of touchlessly. It was working out okay. Um, but then all of a sudden we started getting from this content, these bigger customers who were like, yeah, that's, that data is really, really cool. I don't wanna do any of the work to get it. Can you just do that work? And we were like, yeah, okay, but it's gonna cost you more. Uh, and they were like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, and so we, we basically started you know, charging for um, enabling you know, the, the process to get that data, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, it make, make, makes absolute sense. And I, and actually, I often – I think I know, but I often forget that, you know, Price Intelligently did start out as this software company, uh, but often, like, viewed it, you know, as it's a, like, professional services company because of these bigger companies, you know, came out and asking you for do, to do this consultancy uh, uh, work for them. Um, and uh, I, I guess, obviously, you know, winning these big customers and, and, and doing this work for a couple of years with Price Intelligently – you know how did this lead to the the creation of uh of, of profit world? did you see the need that actually these companies you know required some kind of you know dashboards of you know kpi metrics and um you know uh, and that you could build that with the team that you had
0: yeah so so what's really kind of funny is so we've we've ever we've never actually and, and this is we, we kind of like that people think this about us if that makes sense but we mm-hmm. we never we 've never actually been like a pure like services or a consulting company, and so what I mean by that is uh, the difference is and it maybe it's subtle to most but um we we run it like a product, and so what that means is there's a ton of technology in the back end and this is kind of an interesting lesson for a lot of companies is that when you 're dealing with kind of the mid market or the enterprise or or the you know low end of the enterprise and even the high end of enterprise because we have you know very very big companies at this point as customers um you service or the feeling of service is, it should be part of the product. Because the issue is, is that if I come to you and I say, hey, here's this tool that's gonna give you this solution. um, And let's say that that solution's gonna require you to do some work, your willingness to pay for, um, you know, personless or, you know, just like technological software is a little bit different. It's in some cases a lot different than, oh, there's a team that's helping me. There's a face to this technology. There's a face to this product. And so in a lot of ways, we've, we've actually toyed with making the price intelligent product pure software again, and it's going to be in certain cases in the future. But we basically went against that because we knew that our LTV would come down um, and we wanted that margin to basically reinvest in a product. And so what's kind of fascinating is like, you can't come to us and say, hey, can you do this thing? Um, you know, in terms of pricing, most people come to us and we say, hey, this is how you solve pricing. This is how we do this. This is the process. Um, and, and you kind of take it or leave it, if you will. And and so that's, that's kind of an interesting you know, takeaway for a lot of businesses is that... You know, sometimes adding at least the appearance of of a person can actually increase your your ARPU as well as your LTV pretty considerably. And so that's why what's interesting is when you look at our margins on that side of the business, they're very close or they're better than a lot of software companies, is because we we run it like a product. And that's kind of where the the next step came with Profilwell is because we basically had this situation where we went from a touchless product to a higher touch appearing product. And when it was high touch appearing, all of a sudden what we were trying to do was, okay, how do we, how do we get back to not necessarily being a touchless product, but, but how do we feed the beast in terms of data in order to properly, um, you know, kind of attack the problems that we wanted to solve? Uh, and, and that the reason for that is, is, is a pretty long-winded one. Um, and so I, I won't get too, I can, if you want, get deep into it. But basically, uh, you know, to solve a, a pricing problem, um, in a way that, doesn't require um, some of the higher touch things that we have to do. Um, it's 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 really a data um, a, a data stratification problem where we need a bunch of different types of data. And so, uh, what we originally started thinking about was okay. So how do we how do we determine your quantified personas just by your data and. To do that, we were like, all right, well, we're going to need, you know, financial data, we're going to need your top of the funnel data, we're going to need engagement data, we are going to need a bunch of these different things. And so the original idea was, okay, we, we want to basically be new relic for your finances. Um, and that's kind of the working concepts that we still work on today, although we don't refer to it like that. And the reason the the kind of switch to profitable came because we were helping a price intelligently customer before their IPO, um, basically with their pricing. And, uh, we were already kind of thinking about this, like, you know, new relic concept. And, um, all of a sudden what ended up happening is, uh, we found out that they were calculating their MRR completely incorrectly. Um, so it was a CFO taking two other companies public. This was his third company taking public and calculating MRR completely wrong, um, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. And so basically we're like, all right, so what's, what's our, what's our wedge into this part of the market? Well, you know, we can go and start looking at top of the funnel data. We can look at engagement data. We can look at a bunch of different places, but all of those roads are going to lead to money in some way. And so in order to kind of, you know, go against to the vision that we had, at least at that point was, hey, we need to, you know, we need to go to the financial metrics. And there's this need, this ancillary need for people, which is, you know, hey, I need to know my MRR, my churn, all of those kinds of fun numbers. And so that's kind of the the, the way that we got there. Um, you know, and, and I think we... We originally were going to charge for it, so um, that's a big thing that separates us from our competition. Is we we give away ProfitWell for free, and there's there's a whole host of reasons I can get into. Um, but that's 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 kind of the the full-ish story. I'm sure there's a lot of details that I, I miss there, but that's uh that's kind of the whole story.
1: No, it's 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 a good segue into. I, I wanted to to mention the the, the freemium strategy or we'll, we'll talk about it, and also you also mentioned you know competition. So actually, you know, ProfitWell. Wasn't the first um, uh, solution of its kind in the market, right? Uh, there, there, there was a couple of others that were uh, a little bit earlier, but from my understanding, uh, anecdotally, that, that actually, like now, ProfitWell is—I don't know if, you, if if you are the market leader, but certainly, if, you know, from uh, a revenue perspective. Um, you guys seem to be doing, you know, very well compared to you know what I've had heard. Sorry, uh, from uh, you, you know your your competitors. So, as, as you've entered into a market and you weren't first, you know, what what is it that you think that has helped you, you know, become a, a category leader? I guess is, is kind of the, the first question. And then uh, I don't know if the, then the answer is is freemium. But you you, you know, for a company that I, I know at the beginning uh, you talk very much about um, you know. Having to charge like more for your product, uh, you, you know, to, to to get more money. But um, uh, and I think you, I, I think you were a little bit anti freemium initially, but now, you know, very much uh, profit well is a freemium product, and it's working out for you. So, can you talk about those those things?
0: Yeah, totally. So, so what's kind of funny is um, it's this is this was a weird market because, um, and, and I, I'm sure there were similar markets that that this has happened to before, but. We we actually all th- the, the three major companies, which is us, uh, Chartmogul and BearMetrics, they all launched or at least became public in terms of their launches, all within like a pretty quick period. And so, what was kind of funny is we we thought and pr- pretty naively, and we would we've done this differently when we've released other products at this point. But pretty naively, we were like, "Oh, we're 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 the only purpose in the market. No one's thinking about this." Um, and um, we were working on it, and then it was it was basically when we started not doing like a big launch, but as we started doing like reaching out to people beyond like our initial MVP about, "Hey, like sign up, etc." Um, like literally a two weeks, I think into that, all of a sudden people were like, Oh yeah, did you see this, you know, this, this product? And it was like Bearmetrics, and Barometrics got out first. Uh, and so they, I mean, you know, became darling of, you know, basically the, the, the startup world, which was really interesting. And it, it taught me a lot around like first mover advantage, um, and, and how much of an advantage it actually is or is not. And then quite literally when we launched like a few weeks after, um, and this is, you know, this is depending on how you look at it. Um, basically, Chart mogul was in beta and then launched, and, and I don't know exactly when they launched. So it was kind of fascinating. And, and the big takeaway just for for listeners here is I think that there there is a first mover advantage. Um, I think, though, that the first mover advantage can be um, a little deceiving around what works and, and what doesn't, um, because you get a little high on your own supply in terms of like, hey all of a sudden you know it's like oh i'm doing really really well there's there was a lot of competitors that came after um you know even the three of us um you know there was like 36 at one point that i counted uh and so it was just kind of a wild situation in terms of you know that market but the reason that we went free um was because we essentially were looking at this and we were like all right we're going to charge for this um and we started doing some price testing and it just it came back very terrible. Um, so basically, you know, analytics and BI are extremely tough product markets to be in, mainly because everyone starts to go enterprise. Uh, people just don't value the product as, as much as they really should um, and the amount of time and effort that you put into it. And so we were at the point where we were going to shut it down. And when it came to freemium, we started looking again back at that vision. And we started thinking about what are we trying to do well we're trying to understand truth when it comes to subscription businesses and you know for the physics nerds out there we're we're basically trying to come up with the unified theory of subscription growth like that that has been our mission um very quickly after you know getting digging into the pricing problem that's been kind of our mission and so we started looking at that that mission and started thinking okay well In order to do that, it's going to require helping people with all stages of growth. And growth has three pillars. It's your acquisition, your monetization, retention. And in addition to that, it's going to need to make sure that Essentially, that we're we're helping people um, in a very very deep capacity, and the the best way to do that from a community perspective is to offer up something for free, or to start building that community and start providing value pretty consistently and constantly. Um, and there's also a network effect when it comes to the data. And so, from from a market perspective, and and I don't know you know how many folks are on. on these, these guys as platforms. Um, but we're, I mean, we're definitely far and above, um, you know, with tens of thousands of of companies using us, um, which is a lot when you consider that the subscription market is, you know, definitely in, you know, mid five figures, um, in terms of logos. And so, um, yeah, I think I'm not against freemium. I think I was, I'm against like the misuse of freemium. I think everyone's going to have a freemium, you know plan of some sort in their future and and both of our competitors ended up getting a free plan. One killed it after some infrastructure issues and the other still has it for, for small end customers. But basically I think that, um, because of the speed of technology and the density of technology out there, um, all of a sudden things like eBooks and stuff like that just aren't going to cut it anymore. You're going to have to build that relationship with your customer earlier on. And the best thing to do with that is, is with technology. Um, but most people, they, they, you know, start with free and they think, Hey, this is what's going to save my business. In reality, it it hurts a lot because of just a lot of false positives. And that's why we recommend, you know, not really starting with free until you're a few years into the business and and kind of attacking your customer.
1: Makes sense. So this... uh Like freemium has been, you know, pivotal or certainly you know uh, a a key uh, part in uh, in Profit World's growth. Uh, And then, like also, I mean, like some of the other things in terms of you mentioned early on, you know, content was something that you know got you your first customers as as priced intelligently. Um, Content is something that you you know you guys are, are still. Uh, heavily, um, I, I guess, kind of, you know, in, in involved in in terms of, you know, we get your uh, emails, or you know, I guess I'm I'm not necessarily your target customer, but I, I'm I'm uh, you know, reading your your emails, you know, watching the the pricing page tear down. Um, I'm going to uh, shoot myself in the foot here by getting the name wrong, but is it like Protect the Hustle or something? That was the the, the new the latest video series. So
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Like, did I get it right?
0: Yeah, that is right. So, That's our yeah. new podcast. Yep. Yeah. So
1: that the um, so you, you know you guys are cranking out the content. So it's still, I guess, something that you're you're hugely uh, you know believing in, and actually, uh, you, you know, you're doing a lot. Uh, you're very sort of creative, doing a lot of uh, well produced uh, you know video content. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. The value of content in terms of acquiring new customers, getting new leads uh today versus obviously you know getting your uh, initial customers and and maybe why um you know you're doing a lot on video you know do you see videos is, is this the, the future or is just something that you, you you like doing
0: yeah totally so i mean content is i i could talk for hours about content i think really what's funny one of the big reasons we start off with content is we we had a um a free hubspot account Uh, So we got lucky (laughs) with knowing the right people that we had one of those. And so that's that's really kind of how we started. And then we went all in based on kind of the data. And I think that um, our content strategy has evolved pretty dramatically, uh, mainly based on the data that we see. And um, I I probably won't go too deep into our strategy right now because I think we've, we've figured something out that, um, we believe a lot of people haven't quite yet. Um, and it's not just like doing video. There's, there's some nuance, which you know, if you're paying attention, you can kind of see pretty clearly in, in what we're doing. But um, if you're at SaaS stock, uh and, and want to have a conversation, I'm more than happy to share um, in person. But what I will say about content is I think that when you think about all of the classic research that HubSpot, Marketo, et cetera, have done and, and the market that they've created and kind of the content or inbound marketing space... It, it just kind of goes along with exactly like what they say in the sense of, you know, you're you're basically lowering that barrier to to someone um, approaching you or starting a relationship with your brand. You know, if I come up to you on the street and you know I just start trying to sell you something, you're going to be annoyed and you know walk away. And I might get one person out of you know fifty or one out of a hundred or something like that to buy. But if I come up to you and I just you know have a conversation with you and. You know, um, you know, we build a relationship over time. And and even though there's always this, this feeling of a commercial relationship, you know, underneath it, you still start to kind of, you know, associate me with, you know, not that scummy kind of salesperson, if you will. Um, and so that's, that's what I think content really helps with. And, and for us, um, you know, we've, we've been starting to break down the, f- the top of the funnel into different parts. And so we have very kind of bottom of the top of the funnel content, which is thing, which are things like, um, Pricing Page Teardown, which is a show we do where we take data from, from you know, we collect data on a company and, and basically say how they're great or terrible at their pricing. Um, and then Profile Report, which is, you know, another like data benchmark show. But what's interesting about these two shows is that they're very, very um, bottom of the top of the funnel. So if my mom's not going to read them or watch them, um, she's, you know, she's like, oh, this is interesting, but like, I don't know, you know, I don't need this information. Whereas Protect the Hustle, our podcast, uh, was basically, um, you know, something where we start going into the top of the top of the funnel where, you know, it's probably a little, you know, deep in the funnel still for like someone like my mom, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, you, you know, Alex, you can get enjoyment or some value out of it. Um, even though you're not our target customer and that's, that's helping with our brand and and with our spread and things like that. So it's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of the strategy, but, um, I think uh, we're gonna once we kind of nail it, which will hopefully be in the next you know six months or so, we'll we'll definitely publish and, and share all the secrets. But we want to kind of save that for for now, if that makes sense.
1: No, makes sense. And the uh, um, you know kudos uh, for the, the video production as it, it, it looks very slick. Uh, um, and uh, I mean, kind of continuing on, like because it, it, it is a, a form of content, right? That uh, sort of mentioned uh, that. You, you know, pretty much you, you seem to, you have an appearance of omnipresence at uh, at conferences, right? Um, uh, that you, you do speak a lot uh, at a lot of conferences. Uh, actually, I mean, you. Um, uh, as an aside, you, know, so you mentioned earlier about your your work ethic, and you know, probably getting this, you know, or almost certainly getting, getting this, you know, from your your parents. And I'm um, uh, I'm almost certain, you know, a lot of the success or the success that you've had is down to this work ethic and uh you you know when we've met each other you know at conferences whether it's like in Malta or wherever else we've met each other we you know we we're at the hot jar x awards um and uh you, you know there there'd be i guess kind of like moments where um uh, it's time necessarily let's say like you know speakers are just kind of they've done their bit and maybe you know they're hanging out you'd be working right and uh, uh, I've always found that kind of like you're know, very admirable, even like obviously, like at, at SaskTalk 16, um, you, you know, the speaker's dinner, you know, you're taking calls, you, you know, closing down deals, right? Uh, and, and, and and hustling, working. So, uh, you know, that that's very admirable, not blowing smoke up your ass. I think you know. I've always found that you've had a uh, a, a good work ethic, and, and maybe this is a you know fundamental tenet of uh, you know uh, entrepreneurs. I, I'm uh, I'm guessing, but given like you're speaking at all of these conferences, what well, why do why do you do it? Is it it's just like the opportunities there? I've, I've been asked, I'm invited. Getting on the stage, is putting out the profit well brand, uh, but you, you know, surely it's tiring speaking at uh, you know fifty or hundred conferences a year, or how, however many that you do.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great great question, and I've I've reevaluated this after the the third year of you know it's going to be more than one hundred ninety thousand miles this year, and so um, you know in terms of traveling, I, I you know it's kind of funny about it is I I got advice really early on that you. Basically shouldn't travel, like you just should stay in your, you know, in, in like work on the product, focus on the customer from, you know, from your office. And I think that that was. I think it's good advice under certain circumstances. But the other kind of thing that I found and some other advice that I had was just like, you know, go to the customer, right? Um, you know, go to people that that are thinking your way. And then I started, you know, going to some conferences and, and basically um I, I I don't I rarely go to a conference that I'm not speaking at. And so that kind of hedges things a little bit. Um, but the reason I, I really enjoy that experience and I get a lot out of it is because one, um, you know. Most of the places I go they 're either target customers or they're, you know they're people that that we care about um, you know in terms of, of our ecosystem and our community and two um, what 's kind of fascinating is that I use talks as a forcing function for research so if you 've read any of our content or you 've met me or seen me speak or anything like that you, there's, there's i 've been told there 's a professorial vibe i don 't know if I really like that that, uh, you know, that moniker or not, but basically. I use conferences as like okay, I need to get this research done for the market. It's something that always is is just kind of um, you know going to the wayside, and so that research allows me to better understand not only what we're doing in the market, but then kind of battle test that research on the audience, right? Um, especially depending on the conferences that I go to, and so I think that that works out. And then, frankly, I think that I'm at a point in my life where. Um, I'm able to do this. Uh, you know, if I had you know a couple of kids and you know, um, you know, at home, that would be a little bit more complicated. And so, I, I think as as we are in this stage, um, and we're trying to you know, we're trying to get value, and we do get a lot of value from events. Um, there's there's just no point in not going if that makes sense. And so. Yeah, I think, yeah, I could probably hang out a little bit more at conferences, uh, you know, and, you know, not, not be back on my phone. But uh, the classic thing, a lot of my team loves it when I go to Europe, because what will (laughs) happen is I will basically, uh, I'll work, you know, most of the day in Europe, you know, cause the uh, times ahead. And then all of a sudden, like I'll be working their time as well. So I won't like go to sleep until probably like midnight local or something like that. And so, yeah, they get a lot out of me when I'm, when I'm traveling there too. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I got into the the psychology aspect of it, but I think it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, I really enjoy to travel and, you know, get a lot of value out of it, essentially.
1: Yeah. i I would say like, obviously you, at the at the end, you do you do hang out, you know, you do uh, uh, ha- have a drink, uh, you know, at the end. And I think so. That maybe when I'm
0: hanging out with you, though, exactly. drink.
1: exactly. I like that. I'm, I, I'm on an certain. But I think maybe that goes to show your professionalism uh, that you're not like me that will just get there and just like start drinking. Uh, uh and then be a little bit hungover during the speaking slot that you'll you'll uh you'll be on it on point for your speaking slot and then have a drink at the end so i think that that's the right way uh to do it but maybe it's just my british genes um that kind of let me down
0: i was just going to uh, say think, i'm yeah. not i'm not british that's i think yeah. that's the difference there that's yeah, it yeah. Yeah. that's
1: it and um uh what else was I gonna say oh I was, I was just gonna make this obviously you, you know you traveling hundred ninety thousand miles. You mentioned that you know if you had a couple of kids, uh, that it would be you know obviously a bit a bit more difficult. But you know I've got a couple of kids and I'm traveling more than ever now. So uh, just to get away, you uh, only joking, only joking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like
1: that. <laughs> but um, look, I know we're we're uh, coming to the end uh, now. There's like so much more that I want to ask you, but let's just um, sort of wrap up with um, obviously well, uh, Profitwell are you know, coming back for the third year in a row to SASTO. You're back for the third year in a row as a speaker, Profit World Platinum Partners, So we're super excited and, and thankful for that. Um, and again, this is the, the omnipresent Patrick Campbell. You seem to be everywhere at SASDOC. Tell us, like, what what you are are, are doing? Because I, I think, like, every day there is um, uh, there's something uh, that you're running, right?
0: Yeah, totally. So, um fully retiring um past talks. So, uh all new content which which we're I'm excited about. Um I've been talking to you about that cuz we've been doing a couple of the on tour events and so yeah. Um, I think uh one one thing that uh, it's an interesting preview because i think it's in, it 's interesting to to the founders and maybe the, the execs that are going and so i've had you know a couple of you know, not so fun experiences um you know through through this journey, um, one of which was um, actually you know had and, and beat at least as much as you can cancer um, at this point. And so uh, just going to kind of one of the talks I'm going to do is kind of talk through that experience, you know, what I learned in the context of, you know, founding the company and and kind of leading the company with that kind of extra fun uh, um we'll say hobby um, that, that needed to be solved, you know, while, while growing the business. Um, and then we're going to do a couple other talks. We're actually going to do a live pricing page teardown at the booth as well, which we're pretty excited about. Um, haven't picked the company for that, but uh, pretty excited to uh, to do that one live since uh, that's a pretty pretty popular show at this point.
1: Awesome. Well, I know, obviously, you, you're doing a pricing boot camp on Monday the 15th. You've got a couple of keynotes, one of which you you, you mentioned, actually, like, this real personal story about, uh, I guess, you know, building, growing the company whilst, you know, battling and, and, and beating uh, cancer. And I think it was incredible. I know we we'd spoken about it um i can't remember it's actually like quite a few months ago but you you're still you know going on with your, your traveling still running the company not taking time off you know getting like treatment where you can in you know hospitals in india and and whatnot rather than just kind of like staying in boston like you you were just kind of carrying on again that 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 work ethic, whether you, you know that was was the like the right option or not, but obviously you you, you know you're, you're coming or, or have come through the other side of it, right? So, so it'd be fascinating to get more uh, more more details on that. Um, and then I think, like, after Satslock is done, uh, we are we are going to have that drink. We're going to hang out at SAS Society, right?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty pumped for that. I think the venue you guys chose for that is uh, it's basically. All my all my childhood dreams. I'm going to be in a little <laughs> Irish castle. It looks like so. Yeah, no, it looks looks great. And uh, I already got. Uh, I think uh, Peter from Teamwork is already ready to go. He's already That's excited. So, like, he's telling me about it too. So we're we're pretty pumped.
1: He, he he is very excited about it, and actually, I think you know, he, he wrote to me on an email. And it's like, look, how can I convince my co-founder that this is not a jolly? And I was like, what do you mean, Peter? It's not a jolly. <laughs> oh, he's a him. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> that's funny. I like um, that. you know,
1: but um, no, no, that's going to be super exciting. So look, um, uh, Patrick Campbell, uh, always a pleasure speaking to you. Like we could we could go for hours, but we don't have hours. But we'll we'll catch up in person at SaaS 18. Um, looking forward f- uh, for you to come back and uh, thanks so much for being a guest on the SAS Revolution Show.
0: Always, my man. Always.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the SAS Revolution Show and I picked up valuable lessons from Patrick Campbell. We'll have many more pricing and metrics talks during SAS Lock 18 and you'll be sure to leave much better equipped to tackle them so you don't end up like the CFO who even on his third IPO didn't know how to measure MRR. Fancy that. Get your ticket before October the 1st and save 200 euros. Uh, SASDOC 18 is just around the corner, 15th to 17th of October. Uh, looking forward to meeting the SAS universe in Dublin. Thanks for listening. See you next time.